Hello, and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical for Women, a nonprofit medical clinic offering free of charge or low-cost reproductive health services to women in the Seattle area, regardless of income or insurance status. 3W does not profit off of the reproductive health choices women make. The information shared in this podcast is the opinion of the speaker or speakers. Medical information is not intended as individual medical consultation, but for general education only. Always consult your own health professional for personalized advice regarding medical decisions. And if you're in the Seattle area, consider making an appointment to consult with us. I'm Helen Nguyen, CEO and co-founder of 3W Medical for Women and the host of today's podcast. Hi there, Wellness Wednesday listeners. This is Helen Nguyen, 3W Medical for Women CEO. Thank you so much for tuning in once again on this beautiful Wednesday to continue the conversation that I had with Brian. This is the second part of our two-part episode, and he will continue to just dive deeper into his story, his perspective on pornography. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Did you feel peer pressured into engaging in a lot of pornography from your peers, from other guys? Like it became so normalized. And if you felt like you stopped that you wouldn't have anything to talk about or connect with. Yeah, actually, when I finally gave up my porn addiction, I I scoured my house and I couldn't believe how much pornography I had accumulated over the years. Like it was really it was really unbelievable. And well, it was like art to you, right? It was, so. yeah. And and so I literally had like three duffel bags full of DVDs and all kinds of junk. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a friend who I said, listen, I'm tossing all this stuff. He said, no, give it to me. I said, okay. So I went and I gave him, gave it to him. And, and then he berated me. I said, you know, you're just an idiot. And I, I said, well, listen, I'm, I'm on this journey. I think I've been going down a really wrong path and I need to figure out how to solve this. And this is what mm-hmm. I'm doing. And he, he really, he looked down on me. He said, man, you used to be the King. You know, I really looked up to wow. you, but I don't know what's happening. You got soft. And I told him, I said, listen, you're, you're missing the point here. And he's one of those guys that I, I work on constantly because he struggles with infidelity. Mm. And, and I feel bad that I gave my pornography collection to him. I don't think I did him any favors, yeah. but at that time I was still really new mm-hmm. and I just didn't know how to, I mean, I I should have burned the whole, the whole lot of it. Yeah. He struggles with infidelity. He can't, Mm -hmm. he has a wonderful woman at home. Mm -hmm. She's a, she's a a really neat lady Mm -hmm. and she loves him to death. But, but he just tells me, he says, I I just, I'm not attracted to her anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And there is nothing, there is nothing normal about that. Yeah. It is a symptom of a larger problem. Mm -hmm. You said when, when you go to the bars and, and stuff like that, and you were kind of like looking for someone to engage in a sexual activity with. Is there a look? Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. I There are so many subcultures out there that are related to hypersexual activity. I mentioned, you know, massage parlors and all the mm-hmm. other stuff. Yeah. There is a subculture of men who spend their time, and it's a, stu- it's a stupid name for it, but they call them pickup artists. Mm-hmm. But there is a, they, they have conventions, there are books, but they use really tried and true psychological techniques uh-huh. that are designed to sort of identify and exploit someone who is emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really, it, 
I'm very ashamed of it now, uh, looking back on it. But you could, yeah, you could go to a bar. You could very quickly identify someone who is not happy mm -hmm. and who is just needing some validation in their lives. Mm -hmm. And there are certain really kind of tried and true things that you could say to her mm -hmm. that will make her think that her her lot in life has changed. You know, mm -hmm. the, her Prince Charming has suddenly arrived. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nothing of the sort is true. You know, all I'm there to do is to make her feel just that good enough that she wants to take me home. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. It really is. It's mm -hmm. it's sad on the on the part of the men because we're being exploitative. Mm -hmm. It's sad for the women because I have not improved her viewpoint of what men are like. Mm -hmm. I've all I've done is now confirm to her that men are all really terrible human beings, mm -hmm. and that there's nothing redeemable about a good healthy relationship with a man. And you'll meet women that are like that. That will tell you, you know, well, you know, he'll cheat on you eventually. You yeah. know, he'll do this to you eventually. That's because she's been hurt so many times. She can't see any man as being being a positive influence mm -hmm. on her life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you would go to the bar. You'd find that woman. You could see from the way her body language is. Mm -hmm. You could see from the way she was talking to people, the way she's interacting with people. And you just knew the right things to say, you know, the right questions to ask, to find out that one little thing that she needed to make mm -hmm. her feel good about herself. Mm -hmm. And then it would work. And for me, that was my fix. And I felt like, okay, well, I just the next one, the next one will be more pretty than the last one. And then that'll make me feel good inside. Mm -hmm. Every single time I felt more empty and more empty and more empty. Mm -hmm. And that's something that that, that subculture doesn't talk about. Right. They'll make it sound like it's, it's very, a lot of bravado mm -hmm. around that subculture about how many women you've hooked up with and this and that. What they don't talk about is the fact that, okay, when was the last time you actually had a girlfriend? Mm -hmm. When was the last, last time you actually had somebody that you cared enough about that you cared what their feelings were, mm -hmm. right? And it just doesn't happen. Do you think those women, some of them knew what you were doing and engaged in it anyways? Because right now we're talking a lot about there's this movement of empowerment for women, sure. right? To act like men when right. it comes to sexual activities and sexual health. Right. Do you see that? In, in your experience with interacting with women, do you, did you see that someone were just like, I didn't know that was going to happen or someone were like, you know what? I'm totally down for a one night stand tonight and right. it's going to be empowering to me. Did you see a consequence to that? You right. know, a, as they start to engage in that type of activity that quote unquote men always did. Right. So actually one of the things you learn when you're the pick, when you, when you do that sort of lifestyle is, is you try to avoid those women even though they may themselves be out there looking for a one night stand, mm -hmm. they are essentially the female equivalent of you. Mm -hmm. And they're almost playing a very similar psychological game. Mm -hmm. And so in truth, you know, a lot of times we talk about rape culture as, a, as, a, as one of power, mm -hmm. the power dynamic shifts. And so if you're in that lifestyle, you actually kind of avoid women like that. They're out there. They're actually trying to make their own, if you will, score. Mm -hmm. They're trying to find a guy that they think is is just a, a hair beyond their league, if mm -hmm. you will, mm -hmm. and they want to and they want to take him home. And it's just the same exact thing that I was doing. The women that I would target, the women that I would look for, were women that were on from nine to five. They looked very normal, but okay. when they went home, they weren't happy with themselves, and okay. they they would dream about that sort of quintessential sort of. Prince Charming husband that would come into their lives mm -hmm. and fill in some of those missing gaps. Mm -hmm. And even though perhaps they may be 
knew that there was a strong possibility I wasn't that, they were willing to take the gamble and because I was saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't, I don't actually ever put it on those women. Now I will say that the women that are, there is a, a, a larger growing community of women who are essentially becoming the male equivalent of what I used to be. Mm-hmm. When you talk to them, they'll say, well, I don't need a man. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to get married. I don't need a man to, to make myself happy. I don't need a relationship to make myself happy. I have everything that I need. And then occasionally I'll go out and find a man if mm-hmm. there's something that I'm, you know, needing in that department. Mm-hmm. They are equally as unhappy as I was. They're just, unfortunately, they're rationalizing their behavior. And just the same way that men might in public act like they're they're doing well for themselves, internally, psychologically, they're really defeated people. And so I don't see that the empowerment movement in that sense mm-hmm. where this role reversal has taken place, I don't think that it's done anything positive for women. I think what's going to happen is over the next 20 years, you'll find a lot of women who have become sort of like I was, mm-hmm. where they felt empty inside and could not really understand why. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to someone that there's this whole movement to glorify, if not raise up those that are in pornography work in porn those are in sex work as that's her choice it's empowering to her we should treat it like any other profession right what would you in your opinion what would you say to someone that says it's not our place to judge right well it isn't our place to judge because i don't know i don't know what brought them to this place in life but The truth is, it's while I, I would not judge the individual, I would judge the circumstances that brought that individual to this place. Mm-hmm. And those are, are very exploitative in nature. It's very rare to see an even power balance. Occasionally, the way it's portrayed in the media is they will, they'll bring on some very highly paid escort who says that it's perfectly fine, that she has no psych- long-lasting psychological or emotional wounds from this lifestyle, and she makes a lot of money, and therefore this is something that's very positive. To the extent that there's any reality to that, which I have my severe doubts, it is the very, very extreme minority. The vast majority of people who are involved in sex work, everything from pornography to strip clubs to actual prostitution these are people who are not there by by choice mm-hmm. they're there because the circumstances of their life have brought them to a place where the only commodity they feel they have worth trading is their sexuality mm-hmm. and it causes very very severe wounds and the only one of the best measures that i can give is within that industry especially the pornography production industry the levels of suicide are extremely high, mm-hmm. extremely high. Yeah, I've heard that. If it was a as positive an industry as they would portray it, you shouldn't be seeing this. In fact, you should be seeing success stories. You should be seeing people that have become millionaires and they've left the industry and they've, they're now real estate investors and they're very happy yeah. and they're married and they have three kids. Yeah. Instead, what you find is you find that they, they end up on their personal lives, end up going into narcotics addiction, finding themselves really in destitute places and oftentimes suicidal in, in nature. Mm-hmm. And so if there was a way for that life not to be as exploitative as it is, I might entertain the argument. But when you actually go on the ground and see how it is that these people live, mm-hmm. it's very, very destructive. Uh, when I was in law school, 
I attended a murder trial of a woman who was a stripper at a local strip club called Sugars. And she had essentially befriended a customer and he was a, a it was a retired Boeing employee and he had about f- several hundred thousand dollars in the bank. And within the course of about four months, she did a pretty good job of draining out his entire life savings. Mm. And their last interaction was uh, he came to her at the club and said, well, honey, I guess we're going to have to live on love because I got no more money left. And she said to him, well, I'm going to have to go find a new sugar daddy. He then went out and bought a gun and then went and found her while she was on stage and shot and killed her while she was on stage. And it was a, at the time it was a a pretty prominent trial and Mm -hmm. I wanted to attend because I wanted to, I was in law school and I wanted to kind of see how a real life trial would work. And it had the big prominent attorneys in in town were, were working on that case. Throughout that period, you would see you'd see the mother of the of the woman who was killed and her sister. They showed up every day to trial, and they were they were just distraught. Mm-hmm. And of course, the defense tried to portray somehow the woman had almost invited this this murder. And but then it became very obvious from the testimony that that she was really a, a very sad individual, and that mm-hmm. while she may have exploited this man for his money. He was exploiting her for obviously for sexual relations mm-hmm. and that this dynamic, there was nothing about this dynamic that was positive. Yeah. There was nothing about this dynamic that was, was one that we would say, oh, okay, well that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And so when people come to me and say, well, you know, we shouldn't judge. This is just an industry like any of every other industry. I, I really question that. I question whether the people that are engaged in it are there because they want to be there or because the world has collapsed around them mm-hmm. and nobody is offering them a path out. Yeah. And that this is the only avenue they think is worth taking. And of course, nobody wants to admit this level of defeat. And mm-hmm. so they will say things, like, oh yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. But that's merely a defense mechanism. And when you get to know them and you talk to them, you find out that they really are are suffering. And it it's just it's an unfortunate thing. And and by promoting it and decriminalizing it, not that criminalizing it in and of itself was a solution to the problem, mm-hmm. but what it did is at least created a barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who maybe was a little bit intimidated about the prospect of getting arrested maybe doesn't go out on Aurora looking to exploit that woman. Yeah, And so it did help a little bit, hopefully would drive people to resources like the 3W Clinic, like you know places mm-hmm. where people are going to not judge people who are involved in that industry, but perhaps mm-hmm. help them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think about your mom when you were engaging in these types of imagery and like, whoa, this could be someone's like sister that I'm doing this to, someone's friend, someone's like, I just feel like my mom has such a huge influence in my life in so many ways that I would just, her imagery would just probably kill the mood for me, Yeah, (laughs) you know? Yeah. You know, when you're ensconced in it, yeah. You know, and again, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it this way, but I, I but I have to be very, very real. Mm-hmm. There is nothing about that woman that is anything other than a sexual object. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there really isn't. Yeah. She, she's not a daughter. She's not a sister. She's not someone's mother. She is someone that's attractive, who's a, basically a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. It's it's that destructive. It's almost a reprogramming of your brain. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you leave the lifestyle that suddenly this world opens up to you that you're like, wow, 
that's a, this is a really interesting person. This is a person who I want to get to know. They have, they're bringing a lot to the table. They have a lot of life experience that I want to know about. Mm -hmm. Whereas before they were just sexual conquests. Mm -hmm. And I would like to think that I, I would have thought in some sort of humanistic terms, but I, when you're in that lifestyle, you don't, as a matter of fact, you can't, you can't, you can't manipulate someone into having sex with you and then literally not call them back five seconds later if you thought of them as a human being. Yeah. If you had the least bit of respect for them, mm -hmm. you wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So you had to program your brain into a way that rationalizes and justifies what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so today, it's really sad because today, you know, my wife and I will be on TV, we'll, we'll watch TV and I'll see a young woman really doing some things that are, you know, some pretty poor lifestyle choices. And I, I think it was, oh my goodness, your dad's watching this, right? I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I would get embarrassed for them yeah. because now I'm thinking about this person as a whole person. As a person. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you explained that you got to a point where you were self-reflecting and were being honest with yourself. And you said that you felt really depressed and really empty. Do you think that any time in your life while you were engaging in this lifestyle and in this addiction that someone could come alongside you and say, Hey, Brian, what are you doing? Would you, would you have been able to receive that pushback on what you were doing or did it take for someone like you, did it take you to reach that rock bottom kind of feeling to get out of it? Would you have received any type of help or have someone reach out to you? I think it would have been hard. I had to, myself, I had to reach rock bottom. I think okay. that you would have had to have someone in your life that you have so much respect for, that you want to emulate, that mm -hmm. you want to be like. And this is why I think fathers are so critical to today's family structure, mm. that if the right father figure is around and can essentially blueprint what does a healthy interaction with a woman look like, then you almost don't get involved or don't get involved as heavy as I was. Mm -hmm. For my case, my parents divorced pretty early mm -hmm. and, and I didn't have anybody that I had that tremendous amount of respect for. I think you and I said we might talk about my abortion story later on, but yeah. when, I, when I had that choice presented to me, I pulled all my friends. There was only one friend that told me not to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was because he had been presented with a very similar choice himself mm -hmm. and, and understood the anguish that he, that he had felt. Mm -hmm. And so he approached me and said, please, please, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. Then the rest of my peer group all said, do it. Mm -hmm. This is the best thing for you. Get on with your life. Dump her as soon as it's over with that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, unfortunately we do have a problem as men and especially younger men of mm -hmm. having those positive male role model figures mm -hmm. that can essentially teach us the discipline associated with traditional masculinity. Mm. We are right now, we associate masculinity with sexualization, an unfeeling approach to the world around us. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is being authentically masculine is actually one where you're tremendously sensitive to the world around you because you take a responsibility for the mm -hmm. people that you love and care about. And as a result, you have to be actually very sensitive to that world. Mm -hmm. And so traditional masculinity would see our, our roles as protector. As mm -hmm. a protector, you are not an exploiter. Mm -hmm. As a protector, you're not a bully. Mm -hmm. As a protector, you don't, you don't manipulate people. Your word means something. How you act reflects on you and the people around you. 
those are the sort of traditional male role models that, that are being suppressed now. Yeah. That are being taught are not positive. Well, it's confusing, I think, yeah. as a young man these days. Absolutely. What what is masculinity? What is That's femininity? Right. What is what is it truly to be a man these days? I think sure. it's super confusing. Yeah. I would have had to have that person in my life that I wanted to emulate so badly that and, and you know, that would have been my dad. Mm-hmm. who I adore and love and who in almost all respects, the things that I became and, and have become are related to him. But with respect to interaction with women, because he got divorced pretty early on, I mm-hmm. didn't get that good blueprint of what it was to have that good male role model. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that this is a, a quick fix. I think this is going to be a multi-generational sort of change in attitude Mm -hmm. where men are going to have to stop and really ask themselves fundamental questions about what it is to be a man. Mm -hmm. And one of those things has to be the exploitation of women or seeing women as sexual objects is, should be an anathema that we should be seeing women as equal partners in our lives that bring so many different things to the table one small sliver happens to be that healthy sexual life, mm-hmm. but that is not the end all be all of what and why we interact with women. Right. And yeah. men need to be taught that from a very early age. And also, frankly, you know, you, you mentioned the Billie Eilish thing. They need to be taught that this kind of weird tabooish thing that you can find on your smartphone called pornography is not going to help you in that journey. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a young man that's struggling with pornography right now? What would you say to him? Well, first I would tell him the struggle is real. Like I cannot give you a cliche that just, Oh, just stop it. Just don't, you know, I understand that you're being bombarded with so many different inputs and frankly inputs that I was not exposed to. I, you know, I'm of an older generation. The social media world is, I think, one of the problems my generation is we dismiss it as not being real. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is real when you're ensconced in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that first, you know, my generation has to stop and take some responsibility and understand that the, the younger people that are suffering from these inputs, largely it's our fault and that we, cause we did not educate them correctly. And so that would be part one. But part two is, is if you're going to be involved in, in that, you know, understand that there's, There's nothing about that fantasy that you're seeing that's reality. And you have to make a choice at some point to live in a fantasy world or live in a reality world. Social media is not real life. Twitter is not real life. And pornography certainly is not real sexual relations. There's just nothing about it that's real. And so the more you engage in the fantasy life, the less engaged you are going to be with real life. And frankly, if your intention is to be a successful human being, you've got to engage real life. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually, it's multifaceted. Now I'm, I'm a portly fellow, you know, <laughs> we have to eat better. We have to exercise. We have to do things in so many different levels that are, that are correct, that are beneficial for ourselves. And one of the things that we kind of put to the, to the side, we, we talk about our physical health all the time. We very rarely talk about our mental health. Absolutely. And yeah. so, you know, what we have to do is we have to explain to, to young men that, you know, you're, the more you engage with the electronics, the more you engage with social media, the more engage you engage with pornography, 
the more you are lending yourself to mental health problems. Mm -hmm. The same way that eating junk food or eating bad food and not exercising is going to lead to health problems, physical health problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to understand that, you know, if you really want to be healthy, mentally healthy, Mm -hmm. you've got to put down the phone and pick up a book. Mm -hmm. You've got to, you know, not be on Twitter. Instead, go have a cup of coffee with somebody and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things that can help get out of that lifestyle. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for mentioning for mentioning that because here at 3W, we see someone as holistic. We see someone as multifaceted. When a patient walks in, it's not just the the reproductive issues that they're having. It's we're looking at them as a whole person. So what's going on in your life? Are you feeling depressed? Are you in a safe relationship? What's going on mental health wise? And we take that into consideration because it affects you physically and the choices that you make with your physical self. And and, and sadly, there has been a trend within our patient population, young women that are coming in and being vulnerable with our medical providers, which I'm so, so grateful for that you feel safe here. Thank you so much for that. But being vulnerable with our medical providers and they're saying, you know, I'm engaging in sexual relationships with men my age and they're acting out certain sexual acts or they're asking me mm-hmm. to act out se- sexual acts because they see pornography they're right. watching pornography right. they're engaging in porn and so they want to relive that in reality right. with me and we are seeing the physical consequences right. on our patients on our female patients and it's so sad because it's 2022 or 2021 we we still have to have these kind of conversations about healthy boundaries and healthy relationships and and I'm so grateful for you for sharing your story because I think a lot of women feel pressured to perform, feel pressured to Absolutely. engage in that, to keep him, to keep him interested, right. to this is what guys do. Right. The 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 normalization of pornography is not just in the male population, it's female too. Oh, it's just something that he he does. It's right. something that he watches. It's right. an activity. It's a hobby. What what would you say to these these patients of mine, yeah. if they said, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know what to say to him. That's right. I, I, I feel bad about myself, but I don't know how to get out of this. Right. From, from someone that has engaged in, in this, these types of activity in this lifestyle, what would you say to her? The first thing I'll say to her is this, you're not doing him any favors it, and it'll only get worse. So you need to set for yourself some non-negotiables that, there are certain boundaries that I'm just not going to cross. And at the point in time where I feel degraded, demeaned, where the, our sex life is one that is, does not feel healthy, that feels exploitative, that when we're finished, I don't, not only when we're done, I don't feel fulfilled. I feel demeaned. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling those things, that's, that's nature telling you something that is very real. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you should do is, is you should stop. Don't let them, because the fact of the matter is they won't stop. They will mm-hmm. just get worse. It's the it's the same problem with the pornography. The pornography will become progressively more aggressive. Mm-hmm. The next thing you need to do, and I think that this might have some effect, is to try to educate this young man. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way you do that is you say, listen, do you want to be a good sexual partner or do you kind of want to be a loser? Mm. Because the fact of the matter is if this is what you think women want, Mm -hmm. 
The reality of it is, is any sexual partner that you have, if it's not me, is going to laugh at you when you're done. They're mm. going to talk to their girlfriends about how much of a loser you are. Mm. If you want to be a healthy sexual partner, then there are certain things that we have to sit down and talk about and and our sex life has to incorporate things that are mutual in nature and, res- and, and respect-based. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, I'm not fulfilled. And mm-hmm. I can tell you certainly when I get together with my girlfriends, that's what we talk about, okay? And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about you. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about you. And, and you know, listen, I think to a certain extent, men do learn from a, so essentially a sort of a shaming process. Mm-hmm. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work well trying to teach women, trying to shame them because of the way women are socialized. Yeah. But the way young boys are socialized, there there can be a healthy amount of of shame to mod- modify his behavior and kind of motivate him to be a little different. And it, it's sad to say it, but, but you can. You can motivate young men by beating them up just a little bit, just enough to make them feel like I got to perform a little better than I did last time. Mm-hmm. And so I think what they need to do is they need to stop and tell them rather than be the the recipient they need to kind of take charge the mm-hmm. women and they need to say listen i want you to be a wonderful sexual partner too mm-hmm. right now you're not you're not that mm-hmm. right now you're clumsy right now your tastes and desires are really uh, bizarre mm-hmm. and no woman would find it enjoyable you mm-hmm. might find it enjoyable because that's what you see on the porn. Mm-hmm. But let me show you what real women want, mm-hmm. how real women like to interact with men so that you can be better. You can be a better version of yourself mm-hmm. because if you, you're you going to continue down this path, I'm going to tell you right now, every woman you, the, you the, when you walk out of her bedroom is going to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. They're going to think you're a loser. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that. And I don't want that for you. And I certainly, if this relationship is going to continue, I want you to be that partner that I feel proud to have. Mm-hmm. So we need to stop and we need to talk about, you know, how does this work? I, you know, we used to have that conversation. It sounds bizarre, but and it sounds a little weird, but we used to have that conversation around the first kiss. When you're a young teenage boy, it's a very, very clumsy experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and women out there might relate to this, but you know, when you're a young teenage boy and you get that first kiss, you're not really sure how to go in for that kiss. And it's yeah. a very, very sloppy affair. <laughs> At some point, the best thing that ever happened to you is a girl that stops you and says, okay, let us hold, let's pump the brakes here. Yeah. This is how to do this right. Yeah. And you will forever, every guy remembers that girl that taught them correctly how to kiss that for the very first time. And she did him a tremendous favor. Oh. And, and <laughs> I never thought of it like that. (laughs) Yeah. There's always that one and she'll stop you and go, wait, wait, that's not how you kiss me. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we need to do. This is how the kiss should, let's slow down. Let's do this right. Yeah. And all of a sudden the world opens up and you're like, wow, I'm a good kisser. Right. (laughs) But the same thing doesn't happen, unfortunately, with sex because pornography Mm -hmm. is the way men socialize towards sexual relations. Mm -hmm. And that needs to change. Mm -hmm. And so it needs to really come, I think, from the women. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I hope I hope the women that are are dealing with this issue, I hope you hear that. You can say no. Yes. You can walk away from this Absolutely. experience. You do not have to submit your body to being used and abused and then go back to that. That's right. It is not normal. It right. is not okay. And I think we need to say that more and more often these days as porn continues to be normalized in our circles. How long has it been 
for you since you've engaged in that activity? How long have you been sober? Sober. From, yeah, that's a good that. question. So the journey started, like I said, about 15 years ago. I would say, you know, it took me a few years. So it's probably been 10, 11 years. There were little relapses here and there. I know for a fact that I've been completely porn free for at least five years. But, you know, there would be little, you know, you're watching Game of Thrones or something. It's hard or, to avoid. It is. You watch a music video. That's right. And you're like, whoa, what was yeah. that? Yeah. And the problem that will happen when you're porn addicted is it can be a very fleeting image, but mm -hmm. then it cycles in your brain. In your brain. And yeah. it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. And that's the real problem is mm -hmm. finding the mechanism that allows you to get that out of your mind and to mm -hmm. focus on something positive. Mm -hmm. And it, much the same way that, you know, calling a sponsor mm -hmm. would happen in a 12-step program. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to find some outlet, something that allows you to shift your focus. Mm -hmm. And so that's the problem. But yeah, it's, it's, and, and I, listen, I, I still tell the men in my life, I, this is a, this is a lifelong journey. I don't think I'm going to be rid of it until the day I meet my maker. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your story and for being so open and honest. And I know it's going to make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives if they just give this podcast a chance and, and hear you out. And that if they're in this position where they feel like there's no way out, there is a way out because you've done it. Absolutely. You've done it. And yeah. I'm so grateful for you and for sharing the story. I think it's really going to change a lot of people's approach and a lot of people's ideas towards pornography, we just need to talk about it. We just yes. need to be vulnerable with each other about it. Porn has become this theme suddenly in, in my life in the sense of like, I'd be driving down the road with a friend and we're not making eye contact, but suddenly it comes up and you just kind of go, oh, I didn't know you were struggling with that. Right. And if someone, I guess I, if I can if encourage you, if, if someone came to you with this type of issue that they're faced with, let them listen to this podcast. You know, I'm sure Brian, you would welcome a conversation yes. with, with anyone about this Absolutely. and walk alongside them. There is help out there. There's so many resources and we'll list it on our podcast description for this episode. And, and women, if you're struggling with this, there's a podcast that's coming out that I recorded earlier this year. And please, be on the lookout for that. But you're also not alone in that. that That's part, I feel like that's part of 3W is like we really are community-based and we try our best to give you real resources in someone like Brian that you can reach out to, that you can email, that you can come to 3W and talk to. I'm sure I'm sure you'll be open to that if, if that was ever the case. But just thank you. Just thank you for being here with me today. Sure. Yeah. I could just leave with one parting note is yeah. if you're going to walk away from pornography, I know it feels like you're leaving something, but the truth is what you gain is so much more mm -hmm. because what you do is you open up this entire world that you have shut yourself off from. Mm -hmm. And once you do, and if you're a man, 50% of the world is female. The female world opens up to you in ways that were closed before. Mm -hmm. And so while you might be giving up some sort of really very minor distraction in your planet, you open up the fullness of the beauty of the world, which is 50% female mm -hmm. by choosing to walk away from this lifestyle. So it might feel like you're giving something up. Trust me, you get back a million times more.
Thank you so much for that reminder. It doesn't always have to be transactional, right? That's right. It doesn't have to be transactional. So thank you so much for joining us with this this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Just thank you for tuning in. We're here for you if you need to talk to us. If you would like us to look into some resources for you, we're here for you. And join us again next Wednesday for another podcast. For more information about 3W, please visit our website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, medical.org. From there, you can learn more information about the services we provide. Book an appointment or make a donation if you'd like to support our mission. You can also call our office at 206-588-0311. That's 206-588-0311. If you like this episode, please share it with others and consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay healthy and be well.